And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SP Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamir Morabian, joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. You're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play Podcasts, wherever you can get one. Um, yeah, that's it, man. So how's how's life, Stephen, on this on this Monday night? <laughs> it's uh, it's going well. It's just uh, just another week, starting the new year, I think. Is this our first this is our yes, podcast this is our, of 2021. It's so. our first podcast of 2021, and I'm just I'm full of hope, but nothing terrible yeah. has happened yet. Yet that's that's true. Yet uh, we'll see what happens. No, any Hanson subtweets or anything. Yeah. So the the entire team hasn't decided to transfer yet. So I think I think that's good Johnny news. going on portal. Yeah, read it on the message boards. Yeah, oh, it's a good thing OU's a basketball school anyway. So like they don't <laughs> they don't even need football. Like like OU is such a basketball school that um they don't even care. Like they just love the game of basketball. They don't care if you win or lose. Um like so like a lot of people show up to the women's games just to see like other teams be really good at basketball. Oh, God. <laughs> because Sherry Cole gets that she is getting killed every night, man. She is stealing money. Yeah, she's stealing money from well, the been university. Doing that for the better part of the decade. Yeah, must be a nice job. I just I just read a headline. It was like some Sooner scores forty points, still lost, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, it sounds about right. So you'd think that with all these media people wanting attention, that one of them would just blast a question about Cherry Cole. Yeah. That's fair. There's a good way to get likes and retweets. You know, why? Why? Remember when Sherry Cole was good? Was she ever good, or did well, she, she just the, have Courtney Paris? Well, she was good before the Paris Twins. They went. They went to a couple. Really? I think they went to a couple like Final Fours and Elite Eights before because they had Stacy okay. Dale's, uh, Stacy Dale's Schumann or something like that. Uh, but they were good before, and she was like the coach of like Team USA. Um, and under, I don't know, like it's the, not the, not the, it sounds weird to say underage. What is it? It's not the pro <laughs> USA team yeah. of women. It's like the younger ones. I don't know, but the she was U, the, whatever the youth U or something 16. like that, but she was the coach of them for like a long time. And then all of a sudden she got passed up by everybody in the, in the conference, especially after the Paris twins. Definitely. And like, yeah, it's been, it's been bad, but Let's we we got a lot to talk about. We've got Oklahoma destroying the the Gators, and you have Dan Mullins just being a little a little baby about it. You've got some recruiting stuff with everybody waiting with anticipation of a five star and getting a lump of coal instead. And then we've got like transfers, the portal in out maybes, uh, what to expect for this year, what to expect for the for the rest of this year, what to expect for next year, whatever. So let's dive on into. It, I guess the, the, the Oklahoma Sooners beat the hell out of the Florida Gators 55 to 20. Uh, I, I said before we started recording that, you know, it's, it's tough to find a highlight video for the game 
because really the entire game with the exception of like three possessions in the second quarter was in right. a, as, as a highlight film for the Sooners. I mean, they just got it done in all phases of the game. So what were your, what were your maybe favorite parts of the game or things that you were thought were pretty great? Well, I think, you know, my favorite part of the game was seeing my favorite player, Trey Norwood, yep. um, get a pick six and then subsequently going right into the NFL um, after that. But uh, I mean, no, it, there's some, I guess maybe the first quarter when they just kind of came out of the gates and uh, we kind of expected OU to do well, but they just blew out Florida in that first quarter with the three interceptions. And it's interesting because I look back on the score predictions we had made and you, you had OU scoring the most thing, 48 to like 34 or something like that. I had 34, 31. Jack had like 34, 24. And uh, we all thought it would be relatively, you know, like within two scores or, a, right. or just a really tight game regardless and uh, it just was bad. OU just whipped Florida's ass from the beginning. They took a little bit of a lull in the second quarter and then just blasted them again <laughs> in the second half. They could have scored 60 if they wanted to, uh, but Lincoln Riley instead said, nah. Uh, did you ever at one point, because my favorite part of the game, because I think that Trey Norwood pick six is fantastic. My favorite part of the game is when, because previously we were like, hey, is OU going to meet the over-under three-and-a-half dumbass Gator chops? And they did. And in one of the touchdowns, you had three Sooners. Spencer Rather appeared <laughs> to be leading it. Do the Gator chop in like a kick to get that Gator chop out of here. Uh, so there was definitely and then Larry like, from O'Keem was in the, in the stands out there yep. getting a little Gator chop in. That was fantastic. It's fantastic. So I will say maybe my favorite part, it wasn't the interception, but the one where Woody Washington basically closed that passing window. Oh man. Um, that that was my favorite part. Rangy. Yeah. Like that, like, that's, that's incredible. That's the future of that secondary. It, t- it tells you where the secondary is, is going. Like that's not even just coaching. That's just being instinctual about leverage and where you should be on the field, reading a quarterback's eyes. And like, he goes from the guy, what at the, at a just like an out route and then sinks back because he knows he's got a guy behind him and then tips it up and doesn't get his feet dug in the ground soon enough because like he's like falling back as he's pedaling and he's so close to another interception. I thought it was just like really, really good football by the defense. And Woody Washington had that interception. Trey had one. Um, Brian Asamoa had another, but yeah, that was, that was my favorite part of the game. Like, and it wasn't even a big play. Um, Oklahoma didn't really get to the quarterback that much, even though Ronnie Perkins did toss. He like literally tossed Kyle Trask or <laughs> that other one. Oh no, I got another really good part of the game, another really good play. Florida going for it on fourth down and then running that same play that Trevor Knight and Jalen Saunders would run in the Bedlam game to win them that one, I think in 2013, where like he runs he runs back and basically by the the running backs, like like it's gonna switch sides of the field. And he immediately, they snap the ball and he immediately goes right. And then I don't know the backup quarterback's name for Florida, but then they run an option play. And Oklahoma had that snuffed out so well. And Brian Asamoa just <laughs> was right there. As soon as the ball touched him, it was just the defense was suffocating. And, but did you get nervous at all when the game got to 17 14 after two like continuous Oklahoma fumbles, one by Spencer Rattler and the other by Ramondre Stevenson? Um, a little bit. I mean, because you could kind of sense that this was about to happen. I think the drive before stalled and, and that kind of excitement from those first couple scores and those those interceptions was over. 
Um, I think I even tweeted, I was like, this is, you know, you got to watch out for the, the patented Lincoln Riley lull right here. Like where they go into the, basically just trade possessions. Um, but no, I mean, they came out of it pretty quickly. Um, they, they kind of stalled a little bit, but other than that, I think they grew up. Um, I think a Lincoln Riley found ways to get this offense more motivated. You know, this game isn't over, even though you're up 17 to whatever. Um, so I didn't really, didn't really get too nervous about that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was like, it was frustrating. And I was thinking, well, <clears throat> Oklahoma's been having a lot of, su- a lot of success running the ball. They punished Florida on the ground more than anybody else this entire season. Uh, they just beat the hell out of Florida's defensive line in like Dan Mullen wants to come out and say, instead of saying that average coach, you know, like, Oh, you got to hand it to Lincoln Riley, got to hand it to Oklahoma. They beat us today. They were better in all phases of the game. Congratulations to them. Yada, yada. Instead, he kind of bitches out and is like, Oh, well the 2020 team played 11 days ago. That was the last time they played. So the only reason why he played because our scout team guys wanted to play. So leave it what it is like, what, why, who, who does that? Like, what kind of coach like throws his team under the bus? Because like then everybody else was like, well, it looks like 2021's team is going to suck. But it's like, why would you in your right mind do that? And then why would you also say that knowing that a team in LSU that was also missing like 20 players that could only have like 60 scholarship players beat you like two weeks prior? Like what the hell is going in his, on in his brain? Just a little, just a little bitch attitude. I mean, you've seen – multiple coaches have it like tom herman obviously another guy that's kind of been a little bitch after after uh losing some big games and after winning them um but to see just right after the game for him to throw his team under the bus i mean it's It's hard to envision that this team's gonna really be that excited to play for dan mullen next year and i think even with the rumors that he's going to the nfl uh florida just seems like it's culturally going downhill what do you mean as far as just like they're not going to wake up to play this guy's not going to believe in us um you know we have five-star athletes but do we really you know the logo on our helmets everything we need kind of thing there's no preparation Mm -hmm. um no no motivation from the coaching staff that kind of thing it's incredible it's incredible and 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 it, it started it's again. Oh, you had that same issue with Mike Stoops. They did. They did. And, and it just feels like the yearly thing to be like, oh, well, looks like the SEC is not motivated. They didn't win this game. So that sucks. And it just, I just thought it was ridiculous how fast he was like, oh, man, no, no, we didn't have to play this game. Then, like, why, why did you then? Why did you play? Uh, you could have opted out. No, you could have played Georgia, um, you know, who should have lost to Cincinnati, but they decided to pass the ball like on a third down instead of running it, which would have, give, would have given like Georgia like 30 seconds to score. But anyways, uh, Lincoln Riley, after the game, he had to have given the go-ahead for those players to immediately start like, I'm not talking just like subtle jabs, these dudes were just like <laughs> going in on Florida players, tagging them in things, changing their avatars on Twitter to dead uh, alligators. Uh, Perry on Winfrey said he ate more gator nuggets. And they sort of like, the, I think David Aguebu kept on saying they were doing, uh, they were enacting in some clown activity. Uh, and it was just like 
Isaiah Thomas was a big proponent of that trash talk. Was he? Zay Thomas, Ronnie Perkins, pretty much everyone on the defense. Osamoa got in on that. Yep. Like at one point, somebody photoshopped Alex Grinch's uh, Alex Grinch's head on a black R and B man's group, <laughs> and, and it a, I think it was Brian Osamoa because he was like, "It's my new profile picture." Uh, it's just like Lincoln had to give the go ahead go go ahead on that, right? Like they they there's no way. There's no way they didn't ask permission from Lincoln, right? Um, I'm pretty sure Lincoln knew that was about to happen. That's also, I mean, that's an attitude from a defense that you haven't really seen before. Like, they just know they're better and they're going to tell you about it. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time since I said, like, 2009 was the last really, really good defense, you know? And that year, you know, we all had high hopes and they were quickly uh, killed with Jermaine Gresham going down and Sam Bradford going down the home opener. What could have, what could have been, but yeah, just unbelievable. What, what are your, so talking about other games, like the big 12 and undefeated, uh, that's good news for the conference. It looks, makes them look maybe better. Uh, you know, I, Iowa state beat the hell. Oh, I didn't want to play. Yeah. Iowa state beat the hell out of Oregon who had played half as many games. Um, so let's see. Yeah. The big 12 and undefeated, you know, Austin Kendall led a team to a bowl win. Uh, so, in West Virginia. Yeah. Good for him in Texas. They blew out Colorado like they were supposed to in Oklahoma oh, State. God. The reaction after that game was just Man, so stupid. The, oh, we're back. No, stop it. No, you're not. And your coach got fired after the game. OSU, <laughs> OSU, uh, they barely beat Miami, and it's only because Derek King uh, basically blew out his knee. Did, did we ever find out did what he? that injury was? Uh, I don't think we did. I, I know I got the notification they got injured. It looked like a knee thing or an ACL thing or an MCL. Uh, it, it didn't look good, and he had already pledged to come back. But what are your – Yeah, it's ACL, torn ACL. It's gonna that's, that's rough, man. He's not going to be back next year. He's got to rehab for an entire year after. That sucks. But what what else – What I mean, what are your thoughts on the college football playoff? What are you thinking about the, the semifinal games? They were pretty bad. Uh... They weren't great. I thought the Alabama Notre Dame was worse. Um, obviously, Ohio State came to play against Clemson, um, but that, I mean, we've talked about it before. There's there's a big difference between those one through three, and then the four, and the rest of the the group. And I think I don't think OU would have fared much better against Alabama. Alabama is just a really talented team this year. Um, they are every year, but even more so with Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, those guys. So. Um, I don't know if there's ever going to be a, a good fourth team, but that, that also opens up the conversation. You know, why wouldn't you let an Oklahoma have a chance at six? You know, maybe they go in uh, with an 18 playoff or something like that. And you see who might be able to get lucky or get a hot streak going. The only thing I kept on thinking about was Trey Sermon, just running completely wild. <laughs> And all the pictures that came of him, you know, like he was like just smiling into the camera. And we all knew like somehow he was in the doghouse at OU, right? Like somehow he's in the doghouse with uh, Jay Bulware. And um, I kept on thinking earlier this season, man, you know how nice it would be to have Trey Sermon at OU, you know, earlier oh, yeah. this season. Because if he was there, OU's in the cultural playoff. OU's probably ranked the no first or second seed that oh you would be the second the second seed they they would have played clemson actually uh if they're undefeated uh, you know because they have to pick between an undefeated alabama team and an undefeated oklahoma team for that first seed and they would be like dang this is the first complete ou team we've seen in a while 
and uh, you don't have them. And then that's started to start a, a Twitter fight or an interesting Twitter spat with uh, Jay Boware because former, former Texas coach, former, former Oklahoma and former Texas coach Jay Boware because was it Baker Mayfield that picked up that tweet? Yeah, it was Baker about there's got to be something going on there. Yeah, well, it's just because like they're it just like the running back room and Jay Bowers like, oh, thanks for mentioning all the great running backs I recruited. And then, oh, that's what it was. And then Baker's like, no, they came to OU in spite of you. Kale recruited the backs. And so, gosh. And then that started a whole thing. I think that's the first time Baker's ever taken a shot at Bullware. Isn't that amazing? The second or third time he's done it publicly. Is that incredible? It's it's wonderful. It's like I thought Alabama in Notre Dame might have been a better game for I, th- I thought it was a better better it was a better game for longer than I expected. Uh Devontae is just on another damn planet. The guy's in, he's really good. He's just really good. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian loves looks taking Lincoln Riley plays though, it looks like because there are a lot of things <laughs> that were very similar but drawn in crown in his playbook. Um and then the Clemson Ohio State game was weird. Uh, I really thought Clemson was about to take it to Ohio State, and it was very competitive early. And then Justin Fields broke like two vertebrae in his spine, and then immediately threw like four touchdowns. <laughs> Is that I didn't get to watch it all the way through, but I did see that they were just running away with the game eventually. Like, there's no way he doesn't have cracked ribs and or vertebrae. Because little cortisone shot. Never we all anybody. saw that hit, and it happened twice. Every time he tried to throw the ball before halftime, he was like yelling in pain, like somebody was like breaking his bones all over again. And he was like, "Oh yeah, they didn't tell me what was wrong. They just said you're good." And so he just like that's like the most. I saw this tweet on the timeline. I don't know who said it. Like, good thing Tim good, Brando didn't see it. They're like. uh it's a good thing Bud Kilmer's uh, going to be in that locker room for Ohio State because he's going to inject him with the needle. But yeah, that definitely is a cortisone shot, right? Because there's be. no way he's making it out of halftime uh, without something like that. Because we all saw that hit. Uh, like it reminded me of what happened to uh, oh linebacker for the Steelers. Shazier. Yeah, it reminded me of what happened to Ryan Shazier. He got nailed in the spine with the helmet. God. That was that's like one of the worst hits I've ever seen. Oh, it's bad. I mean, now he walks now, and that's amazing and stuff. He's never gonna play football again. But that's what that hit reminded me of. In that this guy had been ejected from both semifinal games this year and last year. Ugh. Is that a culture problem, or is that just like two messed up accidents two years in a row? Uh, just might be accidents. I think. Like, there's no way you coach that. But I, yeah, or I just allow say, that. At the same time, like, I know they're adjusting to the game. I know Justin Fields was spinning. You're always taught to hit what you see. He was looking down the entire time, or unless I just need to go rewatch it. It wasn't, regardless, the hit was bad, and I was very surprised Justin Fields stayed in that game. But, yeah, both teams, they just dominated at the end of the day. Who do you expect? Actually, this. who do you expect to win this Ohio State-Alabama game? I think it could be really interesting. I, I know uh, Alabama's going to score, but I can't. Is Ohio State also going to score with them? I'm going to stick with my preseason pick and say Alabama, just to be, be true to my picks. But uh, I don't know. Ohio State really looked good. 
Um, obviously, Trey Sermon's just running on another level. Playoff Trey Sermon's obviously a really, really good player. So I'm going to go Alabama, but it, had I not picked it before, I'd probably say Ohio State at this point. That's how that, that's what I'm thinking. That's how I'm leading. So, uh, man, it'll be a good time to look at it. They need to fix that graphic, though. Every time they get a first down, it flashes yellow, and I think there's a flag. It it It's stupid. It's terrible. But anyways, we're about to go to for a break for our sponsors. We're going to talk about Tristan Lee, OU, like recruiting, like what's going on? Is there an issue? Is there Do they need different coaches, yada, yada? Who's coming back? Who's gone? Who's a maybe regarding the transfer portal and just going to the NFL and a couple other things? So we'll check you guys back in a second. All right, Steven. So Oklahoma, if you if, if we had talked and we did in the middle of summer, let's say July, it was possible that many thought Oklahoma was not only going to land Caleb Williams, who's a five star, but that they may also land or should actually land Bryce Foster, Emeka Ekbuka, Kamar Wheaton, and Tristan Lee. That would be five. Um, instead, Oklahoma landed none. <laughs> they landed. They landed one five star in in Caleb Williams. And I mean, like, I think some sites have Mario Williams as a five star as well. But um, what is going? Like, Tristan Lee had already signed his letter of intent to Clemson. So, like, what is going on with OU's recruiting? Are they just bad, or what is it's, happening? It's baffling that no one knew that letter was signed like how did i don't even know how clemson even didn't know it until maybe i think it was like two days before when people are like maybe clemson has a chance here and i think the day before i think everyone's like all right clemson uh there's definitely something up because all those crystal balls flipped everyone on twitter flipped their predictions um but it's just a really really bad look for ou Um, i'm not sure you can blame it on the pandemic. I mean, some of it, obviously not getting to do evaluations, uh, not getting to talk to these guys in person. Definitely, definitely didn't help kind of help them understand where they were with these recruits. But at the same time, it's just, that was maybe the worst closing of any power five program. I mean, you have these guys, what, four or five um, guys where you think you have a really, really good chance. And, you know, two days before their decision, it just all falls apart. Is this a bagman issue? Uh, I wouldn't, you know, there's definitely some bagman involved. Let's let's be honest. But at the yeah. same time, these OU are like needs the best recruits play the in game. the country. Yeah. Yeah. OU needs to learn to play the game. And they also need to recognize when they're getting played themselves because obviously they thought these guys were uh, at least, you know, 70% chance we're going to land these guys. And they obviously had no shot at all. Man, it's weird. It is, is, it's really like, it, it's feel like they last year it was just Jason McClone, right? And everybody was like, oh, darn. The and McClone this, thing, at least you were able to talk to him. Yeah, that's fair. And you kind of saw like, okay, Alabama's, you know, they're continuing to get phone calls in, continuing to visit, do some in homes, that kind of thing. So you knew Alabama was sitting in the wing. No one knew Clemson had a chance here. Yeah, I mean, like you look at Kamar Wheaton, and he doesn't talk to anybody, so it's weird. Egbuka would have been nice, but I think a lot of people would have thought he would have been a surprise. Bryce right. Foster, that would be like, the toughest land. Bryce Foster, his whole family are Aggies. His brother was like actually played for the team, like the like. But the fact that 
Oklahoma led for so long, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, sorry, he's going to be an Aggie. It's like, okay, think- that sucks, but at least Oklahoma says Lee, and what a lot of people bo- thought boiled down to Florida, uh, LSU, and Oklahoma, they're like, that's those are the three schools, and eventually it was, oh, just OU in Florida, conveniently, oh, he's playing Florida in a bowl game, and he had signed like financial aid agreements, I believe, to several schools, but the entire time, he's he's already inked his letter of intent to Clemson in the early signing period. And this was like, meanwhile, like remember Caleb Williams got tri- lead OU like trending on Twitter and he just let it he happen. Had already, yeah. He had already like, signed. I will wow. say the one thing where the pandemic obviously hurt was probably Bryce Foster. Mm-hmm. Um, not getting, you know, not getting to meet with that family personally and kind of get the family on board. I think had they done that, that would have been an easy get for OU. Everyone else, I was just OU just misjudged their chances. So, is OU just gonna take sixteen guys? That is that it, or like, do you think they'll try to like find some kids in this late period, some late evaluations, or guys that they maybe would have taken and like try to get to like eighteen? Uh, they'll probably take maybe a late flyer, maybe two. Um, I think the one thing they want is probably to look at the transfer portal and see, you know, some guys that can help them right away. Mm-hmm. And maybe like some like younger guys. Uh, you you look at maybe, some... I guess it's hard to say who's a younger guy now. Cause everyone gets an extra year of eligibility. Yeah. yeah. But you know, some guy that you can kind of plug and play that fits mm-hmm. your system enough where you're not losing too much from the guys that either opted out or transferring or heading to the NFL. That's fair. And so, like, talking about guys that are gone for OU, you have Adrian Ely, uh, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, and Creed Humphrey. All those dudes are going to the NFL. You've got Chandler, both quarterbacks, Chandler Morris and Ch- Tanner Mordecai. Morris going to TCU, Mordecai going to SMU. Jalen Conyers going to Arizona State. TJ Pledger, Charleston Rambo, Robert Barnes, and John Michael Terry are all in the portal, but unknown as far as where they are going to transfer to. Um, what do you take out of this? Are you like, are you a lot of Sooner fans are like, dang, like it's like one after another. And like, especially the Trey Norwood and Adrian Ely thing, I think surprised a lot of people, everything else, I think kind of like looks and checks out. I don't think anybody was surprised by Rambo saying he was leaving. Um, no, so, and, and we knew we had a good heads up that Rambo was probably on his way out. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, but as far as just surprises, I think Adrian Ely, uh, I think a lot of people watch his game and said, you know, maybe he should come back another year just because it wasn't just an outstanding season for him. And especially at the same time, Trey Dorwood uh, just got out of nowhere and thinking he's an NFL draft pick after one good season. So coaches love are, him, man. Coaches love him. Good practice player. I mean, at the same time, you look at Trey Norwood and you look at the guys they've recruited in the secondary and you say, all right, maybe this guy. Maybe this is his best shot, maybe mm-hmm. to get into not necessarily a 53 man roster, but maybe a practice squad. And he can still make good money doing that. Um, so maybe that's the route he was thinking. It's interesting. It's like because down the stretch, it was Trey Norwood getting all the snaps at Nickelback and not Buki. And now next year, you know, Oklahoma's got some guys back. I mean, like talking about Jalen Redmond is going to be back. Caleb Kelly says coming back. Eric Swinson, unfortunately, is coming back. <laughs> Justin Harrington's going to be back and he, Justin Harrington's back. Like he's going to be there to play just like Caleb Kelly was, but Justin Harrington is a guy. He is definitely going to be a dude that contributes a lot next year. Kennedy Brooks is back. 
surprisingly kind of Marquise Hayes and both both the guards, Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson are back. Perion Winfrey's coming back. Isaiah Thomas is coming back. Uh, what do you take away from here? Are there guys that you're like really, really excited about? Are there guys that you think should have that were maybe surprises to you? Uh, I was most surprised about both guards coming back because that I think right. eases a lot of tension on the offensive line now that you have. Of course, there's Swenson coming back. I hope he doesn't start. Oh, he doesn't play. Because you're thinking, oh, you have one of the two guards is going to leave. Well, now both guards are leaving. You return All-American Chris Murray, who just didn't get in the shuffle because he got, you know, to owe you way too late. And Andrew Rame, who I'm very high on. So it's like you've got four really, really talented interior offensive linemen. And then you've got Stacey Wilkins deciding to come back, likely because Adrian Ely stepped out. You've got Anton Harrison coming back. You've got Eric Swenson coming back. Do you kick out one of those guys to guard or the, or do you kick out one of the guards to tackle or what, what do you do here? It's a good problem for you to have. I feel like along the offensive line. I think you keep those guys. The only person you would kick out is maybe Robinson. Cause he gives you a little bit more versatility as an offensive lineman. But I think the biggest return here is Hayes. Cause I think, you and I both saw him. He's probably going to be an early round draft pick. He's a mauler. He gets upfield and he does not give yeah, any He could be really, really good in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know, maybe he didn't have the, the greatest. I mean, no one on the offensive line had a great season. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It was decent moments, but it was definitely a step back from what, what they've done before. So for him to come back and kind of be that anchor while Creed leaves is huge for OU. And I think the other name we'd both agree on this one as well is Jalen Redmond because we already saw what this defensive line can do. And you add in another Jalen Redmond into that. That's just ridiculous, man. Yeah. Jalen Jalen's going to be good. I'm glad Isaiah Thomas is coming back. Uh, they've got a lot of good guys on the defensive line coming back. Perry on Winfrey's coming back. Um, even Josh Ellison played really solid for the Sooners. Jordan Kelly will take a step forward. Marcus Hicks will hopefully be available. Uh, Marcus Stripling will take another step forward. And so, like, let's go to the maybes because those are guys that the jury's kind of still out on. People, like, people thought maybe Nick Benito was signaling he was coming back in a tweet. Uh, but he's never really said it officially uh, like Isaiah Thomas has or Jalen Redmond has. It's never really been confirmed because maybe they just thought, oh, that tweet is, yeah, I'll see. They're not done yet. Maybe he's just, that's the way it is. So uh, for me, Nick Benito is a maybe, but for a lot of the other people, I think they assume that he's coming back. Um, but Nick Benito, Ramondre Stevenson, and Ronnie Perkins. Uh, what are we thinking about the percentages those guys stay? Percentage they stay, I would go. I'd probably lean to maybe like twenty percent that they stay because I mean their their draft stock is pretty solid. Um, you know, maybe they can come back and convince one of them to come back another year. Maybe uh, Ronnie Perkins, for instance, you say, "Hey, we'll just play as a true defensive end instead of a rush end," um, and that way, you know, you get some more NFL scouts looking mm-hmm. at you. But what right now, you, I just say twenty percent. What, what would you put the percentage chance? To- I would put the percentage chance of Ramondre Stevenson coming back at zero. Would you agree with that? Yeah, most likely. I mean, he then, just had a ridiculous game against Florida. Yeah, he, he's he's having he's been he's looked really good last year, and he looked really good this year. When and he look look at how like look at the next level he brought OU to along with Ronnie Perkins uh, once they came back. But what about Ronnie Perkins? I would say like him coming back is maybe like, dude, it's got to be like forty to. 50 percent ish i don't 
he's a guy that like I th- I'm pretty sure is gone, but I feel like the staff or the staff is maybe trying to convince him to come back for a like listen. If you, Nick Benito, and Perry and Winfrey all are back next year, you're going to wreak havoc on defenses, and you're going to be a for sure first round pick, and probably it maybe a national title contender or contender, if not a champion. Uh, what what are your what's your percentage on Ronnie Perkins coming back? Uh, I'd go maybe a little bit higher, maybe like thirty percent. Okay, I still think you know he's what probably a second rounder at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, he's so in the second still or third round. Money. But once you fall out of that that third round, that money kind of dips pretty dramatically. Right. But no money is like first round money. Oh, yeah. That contract is incredible. And so I look at Nick Benito. I feel like I was very surprised when I was very I was really surprised when people were like, oh, yeah, he might not come back. Um, I I just I assumed that he was just going to come back. He's a registered sophomore. Um, and so he, he can get bigger and get stronger. He can show, he can play a little bit more than just that edge, uh, that he's so good at. Um, but I would put him coming back at like 75%. I thought he was coming back in the first place. What about you? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think some of it is that you look at some of the accolades that, uh, Benito got, yeah. I think a lot of people just assume that, okay, you know, everybody not many gave guys him accolades. You. Yeah. And not, 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 not many the big people, you get that many and stay. Um, in previous years, and that's just because OU's defense has been so shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, I mean, he's just still relatively a young guy um, and still needs some, some tape out there to really solidify his draft stock. So I'd say about 70%. And so, like, I look at next year's defense, and you lose a trade Norwood. Okay, well, you added Justin Harrington and Buki, for the love of God, just like, you know, I don't <laughs> know, man. But you got – well. You're starting to develop depth, DTY, Patrick Fields, but Bryson Washington in the back, Jeremiah Cradell. You've got Woody Washington, which is quickly becoming everybody's fan favorite. Also, where's the number zero that he says was picked for him, and he didn't want that number. Uh, Jaden Davis is not even the, the name that pops into people's mind for CB2. It's Graham and the junior. And so, like, it's uh, it's just really interesting to see what they have in the, in the secondary. And then you look at the linebackers. I like Asamoah. I know he's not all the way there yet, but I think he can get there with Brian Odom. You've got God, David Aguebu, Deshaun White, Caleb Kelly's coming back. You're developing depth with Shane Shane Witters there. And then now you've got dudes like Clayton Smith coming in, Nick Benito most likely coming back from what I think, and then possibly everybody but Ronnie Perkins, but you plug in Jalen Redmond, who's maybe, of course, not as good as Ronnie Perkins, um, but still really 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 good i mean what what does this next year's defense look like to you do you feel like it's more dominant or what do you think i think it's more well-rounded and we kind of said it this year that as far as talent goes it's, it's spreading out and we saw it with the front seven next year you have that you know relatively the same front seven plus you know, maybe you get Justin Harrington, maybe you get some more, some taller corners, maybe you get Woody Washington into a full-time um, starting position. So it only keeps getting better. Um, but for next year, you look at the secondary as seeing a, a step forward finally. I thought they would take, for this year, I thought they would take maybe a step back initially, but then they would be very good towards the end of the year. And they didn't really take a step step back. They just stepped up the entire year. And a lot of that is to 
how good Perion Winfrey was early on, uh, how good Isaiah Thomas has been. Right. Um, but also how good Woody Washington has really been. Woody Washington has been, has played a significant role in the secondary and people aren't giving him as much credit as he needs or as he deserves. Uh, but also yeah, the really body good. types coming in. It just fits this defense better. 100%. And so, I mean, Oklahoma's recruiting class is small. Uh, they thought it should be small, but now after seeing how many players dipped out and how many guys are portaling and just leaving early, um, let me place the over under at three and a half. How many players is Oklahoma going to get from the portal? From the portal, I'll go. I'll go the over. I'll go four. Okay. For that one. Do you have? Do you? I mean, where do you think they land on? Just places of need instead of like something specific, <laughs> right? Well, That's if incredible. I had to check my my paywall notes, I'd say, well, a place of need. Looks like Oklahoma might be looking at a transfer that can probably help them relatively soon. <laughs> um, probably at a position where there's not a, a solidified starter. Oh, okay. Uh, but I think <laughs> you obviously you look at offensive tackle with Swinson. Uh, pretty apparent he's not the answer. He's a good depth guy, but you know, as far as the talent goes on the offensive line. He's not, see, he's not good yeah. enough to play at Oklahoma. I mean, right. And like the, you remember when he was going to start at OU and Lincoln Ryan was like, well, he's not good enough to start at Michigan, but he's better. He's good enough to start in the number one nation in the offense. They're the number one offense <laughs> in the nation. Like, no, he's not. He's not good. It's bad. It's very bad. Michigan wasn't great either, but yeah. <laughs> nope. obviously offensive tackle uh, with Ramondre Stevenson likely heading to the draft. You'll probably mm-hmm. look at a running back as well. Even the, with... the name I've, or the, the guy I've heard, I, I don't even know his name. I, Cause I have, I have, I don't care. Show me when it happens. Like, um, the name that keeps on coming up or is the running back from Wake Forest. He's a guy that keeps on popping up on OU's radar search, whatever, like as possible <laughs> dudes that may interest OU or may OU interest. You know, like is is what what is there a certain uh, I'd have to just watch some film on I know people like to put his stats out there and they are good stats, but um, there's a big difference in talent between Wake Forest and Oklahoma. You mean the Big 12 is not as good as the ACC? Yeah, the ACC is way better. That's crazy. I saw 247 Sports tell me tell me that. Kenneth Walker the 3rd. Is that is that it? Is that the guy? That sounds right. I don't even know because it's a Wake Forest running right. back. But if he's the speedier guy, Oklahoma's been wanting speed at running back for a while. They almost had it. Well, not almost, but I mean, I like what I really like what Seth McGowan brings next year. Uh, he kind of got a little Abdul Adams. Yeah. And McGowan. Yeah, you kind of do, don't you? <laughs> but As he's <laughs> he's there's not, not afraid that extra to gear. He's not afraid to get physical. I think he right. does have an extra gear. He's just like still in his high school body. I feel like he's That's just fair. hasn't lifted enough and hasn't been like he's in shape now because all those dudes are in shape in, at the end of the football season. But I just think he's that he has small like in his pads. Yes, he did. He him and Marvin Mims look very small in their pads in comparison to everybody else. Um, so I'm looking forward to him. But yeah, I'm just really curious about like oh, you wants a smaller kind of like scat back because uh, but. OU with Lincoln Riley hasn't really had a small scat back that was successful. They've had them, but they haven't been having them been successful. Like you had Joe Mixon, Samaji P. Ryan. Rodney Anderson is not a scat back. Then you had, you know, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks. You've never had a, a scat back that's been successful at OU. So why would they do it now? Yeah. 
and the thing it, it goes back to is they just want someone that can add speed that can be like a true game changer and i don't think you're gonna find one in the portal honestly because so, those yeah. guys are either on really good teams like clemson ohio state uh alabama or they're in the nfl yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, those those guys are like like the get Clyde Edwards Edwards Elair from LSU. He's already out there at the Chiefs, and there's a lot of other of those running backs. But yeah, you're probably not going to find one in the portal that's going to be of substance or that somebody's going to be an every down kind of guy. Uh, even though TJ Pledger did play relatively well in the be- in the middle of the season yeah. around Texas, and then once once Ramondre Stevenson got back, it was pretty clear that he was going to be the full time starter. Uh, next year's team, man. Offensive line looks like it's in good shape. Oklahoma is going to return at least Kennedy Brooks along with Mikey Henderson and Seth McGowan and lots of H-backs, all the H-backs actually. Going to return a lot of receivers. The defense is returning a lot of guys, and they're just going to get bigger and faster. What do you think about next year's team? Uh, what are your expectations? Can they win at all? Uh, kind of watching what's happening, it kind of looks like Ohio State and Alabama might be taking a step back. We'll kind of see where Clemson's at, but if they put on the same performance as they have this season and add to, you know, this points of weakness, which would be the offensive line in the secondary, there's no question that they're a playoff team. Um, and it's probably a playoff team that's going to have the best odds of winning a championship that they've had uh, going in into the Lincoln Riley or the playoff era. Yeah, I, I've, I've long held that <laughs> – I have long held that, especially for the last month and a half, and then especially over the last few weeks, knowing who's returning, if Oklahoma does not make it to at least the national title game next year, man, what a bust of a season. Uh, They have too many guys returning in several key spots, too many guys coming back, uh, and the talent level is just so high. The expectations are going to be very, very high. Well, this is this is the highest expectations have been in a while to be in that national title game because of the defense, right? I mean, this is like it's not just oh, we have to outscore everybody and have an average defense, right? It's Oklahoma's defense looks like it's rounding a corner with Alex Grinch. They look like they're about to be on par with a lot of other very good defenses, developing that depth over the course of three, two, three seasons. It's unbelievable to think that Alex, this will be Alex Grinch's third season going into this coming fall, just like. It just seems like yesterday Oklahoma just hired him after Mike Stoops just killed this program's defense for years because of Bob. But it's just it seems like the expectations are the highest it's been since like the late 2008-9. Like 2015, that was fun. The Baker Mayfield, you know, a lot really really fun defense right. was pretty okay. The, actually, the defense is actually pretty okay that year, but not the best. And then that that run from 17 through through 20 or whatever. It uh or 17 through 19, yeah, it was three years. It was Oklahoma needs to outscore these guys because their defense is garbage. And now it's the offense is going to be able to run the ball. Uh, they have a very good quarterback once again. They actually have the best stable of receivers they've had in a long time, maybe ever. Running back is maybe questionable with you know a dude that is not dynamic. Uh, you don't have that. Trey Sermon that, you know, they had Trey Sermon, but you don't have the Ramondre Stevenson maybe comes back, but I highly doubt it. This very highly doubt it. So you don't have that, you know, Travis Etienne kind of guy uh, in the backfield, but you don't really need any elite running back as much these days, as much as you need very, very quality depth, but it won't, doesn't hurt. Right. 
Um, and then the defense is just going to be, hopefully, I mean, like, it looks like they're going to be very, very good. So do you feel like this is the highest winning a title expectations have been since 2008, maybe? Probably heading in, let's see. I guess going into the Georgia game would be the highest it's ever been because we all look at that team like, oh, this offense is really, really good. Maybe good enough to win it all. Yeah. Alabama, uh, did, Alabama did. didn't want to play OU. Alabama didn't want to play OU in that second round because OU's defense was just good enough. And then they just had a – it wasn't like – people want to get into that argument. Oh, it was the defense's fault. OU lost to Georgia. Oh, it was the offense's fault. Like, I hate that stupid – like, they just lost. Get over it. Uh, but Alabama didn't want to play the OU offense. Alabama's defense was worse than Georgia's. Um, <laughs> and they were not as good. And two was like on half a leg. But yeah, like what halftime of that Georgia game? Is this the highest it's it's been? And then like besides that, two thousand eight, two thousand <laughs> two thousand like four. Two yeah, I guess two thousand four would be the last time where it was that high. I guess two thousand eight would also be there too. Or maybe maybe it's like the maybe like the two, beginning of two thousand four where, you know, you had a really good season and then you just laid an egg because what was of, the season they were ranked number one in the preseason was it twenty ten or twenty eleven. I think it's 2012. Like I think it's 2012. 2012. Okay. Or th- they went and just like destroyed Florida State. It was the, Florida State. It was the one. Yeah. It was the year they played Florida State in Tallahassee. So maybe 2011. Maybe 2011. Sounds 2011 sounds right. But I mean, 2003, they they lose in the champ in the conference championship game. Uh, they God, they what's the tiny running back's name? Sproles, Sproles killed OU. It's a tiny ring back. Yeah, 35-7. And then OU barely loses to Nick Saban at LSU, 21-14, to where they had a chance to tie it up, but Keewon Jones was just too tiny to reach it in the end zone, and Jason White is (laughs) throwing off his back foot. It was a good good game. And then so people are like, all right, OU's going to run it back. And then so everybody was excited about USC that year, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, LaDainian, uh, LaDainian, what is it? Not Lydian Thompson. It's the uh, LT or not LT white. Lindell white. Lindell white. Why am I Lindanian? Lindell white. Uh, you got a lot of like frosty Rucker and all those dudes. Technically that game didn't happen. That didn't Yeah. That game didn't happen because Reggie Bush, uh, got a house. Well, his parents uh, got a house. His parents got a house, but literally everybody's parents is their parents are getting houses. This is recruiting. Or challengers. Like, yeah. Or challenge or cookie cakes, you know, Oklahoma's sending out what a weird time for recruiting. Oklahoma's gonna send out hundred dollar gift cards to Blockbuster to Tristan Lee <laughs> while Clemson's giving him fifty thousand visa cards. I think they baked gift cards into those cookie cakes. <laughs> they got a federal prison, McAllister. They got <laughs> they, they have experts. <laughs> What is this, Shawshank? <laughs> I'm just saying, that's how they transferred money. <laughs> you know. Uh, it makes sense. <laughs> the Alabama's a... over here doing it digitally. <laughs> Maybe you'll only own for fans. Only fans. Oklahoma just needs an offshore banking account somehow. Like a sovereign nation within Oklahoma. Something like that. That's true. Yeah. Do those exist? Sovereign nations within the state of Oklahoma? There's so many ways that you can move money now without people knowing <laughs> apparently xbox uh gift cards oh um, xbox yeah then uh, most popular i hear but you know that website where you can 
share all your talents for a subscription fee. Now is that is that an OnlyFans or fans? What is it? OnlyFans? That's uh, it? an Only OnlyFans. OnlyFans can set your subscription fee or get Gosh. any sort of money. It's incredible. If we were, there's, if, a, there's a lot of a uh, lot of routes that Bob Stoops. How how could we start on. an OnlyFans? What would what would we do for an OnlyFans? Probably get Sherry Cole fired. <laughs> People pay Sherry. for that. <laughs> What are you gonna do? Is just stream it live and just like be us shouting things, or like just like uh, like, like a filibuster, just like reasons why she should be live not stream myself protesting outside of Lloyd Noble. Okay, I'll be there with you. I mean, like, um, you know, we're masks and stuff like that, and uh, some oh, people yeah. might come along with lawnmowers because they're not very happy with Lon Kruger, despite his win against the West Virginia Mountaineers this past day or two ago. The mow the lawn crowd will definitely be there. Yeah, they will. But we just need to all appreciate Patty Gasso for doing the Lord's work. You know, even getting Billy Bowman to commit to OU because his girlfriend was like the top recruit for softball. So he, she's here. So he came here. So she's underpaid. I don't even know how much she makes, but not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Gosh. You know, Brock Purdy, Charlie Kolar, and Brees Hall are all back at Iowa State next year? I just don't see Iowa State running that back. That just seemed like a magical year for them. You know, and like, so I looked at the roster. Offense is set. They'll be good next year on offense. They're losing in one of their tight ends or two of their tight ends. I think just one of their tight ends. They're bringing pretty much everybody else back. Uh, I think they have one offensive lineman leaving. You is have, the like, Eisworth kid finally leaving? I think he's Eisworth been there is, for like seven years. Yeah, I think Eisworth is the one that's leaving. I think he's the tight end. Him and Matt Romar. God, Matt Romar was in Casey Walker. Remember those two dudes who were there <laughs> for like five or oh, and what was one more? There was another one that was there for a long time. And at it, Iowa State? Uh, no, at OU, defensive lineman. Matt Diamond? He, he played with Romar, I think. Oh man. I'll remember it after the podcast. No, because Matt Diamond, he he left pretty. He left early. He had had some uh, issues. Mm -hmm. He he doesn't like you very much. No, he doesn't. Oh, you lost to Texas, and he said Jordan Wade. Yes, Jordan Wade. He was an OU for like nine years. (laughs) Holy crap! He was like he was there from for that Sugar Bowl, and I swear to God, he was at OU too. Like they played Clemson in the Sugar Bowls in 2013. Was he on the active roster for against Georgia? Probably. He was there I for think a, he was. Him and Romar were a, there for a long Wasn't Romar a Rose Bowl guy? Oh, God. Let me check. See, it's hard. Casey Walker, not Casey Walker, Charles Walker was supposed to be, but he got a concussion during practice. I do remember that. That's another guy that would have been really good under Grinch. Charles Walker would have been dis. dis- Stupid good for Grinch. There would have been a lot of defenses that Oklahoma recruited that have been good under Grinch, actually. Be- probably because he was, Mike he was on that, uh, that Rose Bowl roster. He was, Romar was. Yeah. I knew it. And he's, he was there for a long time. 2014, his last game. He had only had one game in 2017. Wow. But uh, yeah. Wow. But yeah, Iowa State bringing back that trio, Kolar, Purdy, and Hall. Makes sense for Kolar. He got hurt. Purdy, I well, you made what you said earlier made sense about the quarterback class. Probably a good idea. Uh, Brees Hall is just good. I looked at the defense though. They're losing about four, three, four, or five guys. Um, in that defense, 
especially on the defensive line, is significant when you're playing a three thirty five. So if you're not bringing back badasses, like you might have some problems. So I'm very curious to see how that works out. Re- regardless, Matt Campbell's a great coach. Uh, John Haycock's a great defensive coach. They have maybe not the best players, uh, but they get a lot of dudes to buy in, um, and they have great body types for their systems, and they know how to execute. And so I'm very curious that that game in Norman should be a top 10 matchup this coming year. It college game day should be in Norman and it should be Iowa state, the freaking cyclones, which I'm sure they're happy as hell that their schools like now, not just a basketball school, but looking fun for football. And now they actually, they had like the second or third biggest stadium in the big 12. They get to fill it full of happy fans. Uh, third or fourth. Yeah. I know. I just know it was big. Um, and, and so like, I'm, it'll be weird that that regular season matchup in Norman will be weird. And then because they owe you two big teams and it should be again, if OU and Iowa state play the rest of their schedules, like they should, because there are teams getting better, but Iowa state is bringing a lot back too from a team that killed a lot of teams last year and Oklahoma state just going to be bad. I think uh, I, I can see OU and Iowa state repeating in the big 12 title game again. So I'm very curious to see how that works out, but the most important news we haven't gotten to Texas, unexpectedly for me, I thought they were waiting till next season. Texas fires Tom Herman, <laughs> hires Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian said no. Just kidding. Uh, was it? Was it? Uh, oh, David, uh, former Georgia defensive end, the guy on at ESPN. Oh, Pollock. Was, uh... David Pollock was like, no. Sarkeesian said no, and then Sarkeesian was then announced as the head coach. And then rumors of, of course, Mike Stoops being a defensive coordinator, but that sounds like it's out of the out of the picture. But how do we think about a uh, Herm leaving and Sarkeesian in? Is it gonna is it gonna move the needle for Texas? <laughs> I think it moves it back in a way. I thought Tom, Tom Herman away from Sam Ellinger would probably be better for Texas, but uh, you throw in Sarkeesian, who's obviously hasn't had too much success as a head coach. But coming off a Bama run, uh, maybe look at a little bit of credibility for that. I just don't think Steve Sarkeesian's a good head coach at all. Um, he's a good coordinator, but there's guys that are really good coordinators, really good position coaches, but just can't make it work at the head coaching level. And he's one of them. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that works out. I mean, every year, Texas has the most resources. They have the best facilities. They have the most, like, I'm not just talking about resources like money. They are in a prime place for the best college football players in America. And they have just done nothing with it's not they haven't been it's not that they haven't been recruiting well. They've been recruiting recruiting very well. It's Texas. They just haven't done shit with the talent. They've been top 10 like every year for over the last 20 years. Um, so I'm very curious to see what Sark does. Uh, I, I don't know what they're gonna do on offense or defense. I assume they're gonna go more spread. Uh, I don't think Casey Thompson is the answer. I saw him here at Southmore and then Newcastle, and he doesn't he like, lit it up. I saw he, it oh, yeah. Oh, he had a really freaking great game against Colorado. Uh, Trevor Knight also had a really great game against Alabama in 2013, no, and, and none of it mattered. Literally none of it mattered. Um, and so <laughs> it's just incredible. Like I can't believe I saw a Texas fan say, and they were serious. Well, maybe Sam Ellinger is our uh, – Baker Mayfield and Casey Thompson is our Kyler Murray because that's first of all kind of racist, but also like, no, 
because Sam Ellinger wish wishes he would even sniff the first round. Sam Ellinger is not even going to start on a team that drafts him or selects him. He's not even going to start. Casey Thompson is not even going to go to the NFL. And he's let alone be the number one pick in back-to-back years. I, I, I can't not believe any of that just happened. What goes through it? I'm, I'm a fan of the, uh, the other guy they got. Who? Uh, let me see. Like what, what mental gymnastics he's do you have Travis to go kid. through? I don't even know. It's uh here. I got it for you. Well, I can't find it. <laughs> no, they did Roshan Johnson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, who immediately became a running back. Yep. It's, it's just incredible to me. And the mental gymnastics fan. Hudson Card was the guy. Hudson Card. That's yes. that's a fun that's a fun name. Just the mental gymnastics you have to have to do to be a Texas fan is just it's incredible. Uh, I, I don't understand it, but hey, here we are, man. But oh, I have I have nothing left to say on this podcast. What, what, what do you have anything to add to this thing? Um not really. I mean, I'm like just looking forward to see what Oklahoma does uh, in the transfer portal as far as just filling up their roster for the for the next season. Yeah, same. I think that's what we're all going to be looking at is transfer portal. Uh, you know, I and think then another coaching hire is going to be out there yep. for uh, Shane Beamer. So that H back kind of tight the end. Biggest rumor was the Michigan guy. Yeah, I think Sharon Williams. Is it that? Is that who it is? I think, or Sharon Moore, something like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's those are the things that you're really looking for. Uh, the portal guys, new coaches, and what they bring to Oklahoma, and then, then it's like maybe some late flyers, like you said, on some high school guys that they can maybe cherry pick out of you know some late evaluations, uh, and then it's basically the off season. And you just like, I guess you kind of just pray that people don't aren't stupid and people don't get hurt. So it should be a really interesting offseason just because you look at this team, there's a lot of guys that you, <laughs> we talked about it before that just don't look good in pads, right? Like they're, they're in their high school bodies. Right. Um, and that's just because, you know, they were home all offseason. They didn't really work as hard as they probably should have or could have. Cause I mean, not everyone has those facilities. So mm-hmm. um, it should be, it should be fun to see where this, this team goes. Yeah, I agree. So anyways, thank you guys to everybody that's like listening. Um, Happy to be doing this in a new year. Hopefully everything's better this year than it was this past year, which was whack as fuck. Uh, You guys can follow (laughs) us at crimsonacreammachine.com. Brought to you guys by SB Nation. You guys can follow us on Twitter. Uh, There's at CC Machine. You can follow me at Kamarabian, CCM. Follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, guys, smash the subscribe button. Can't talk. And uh, we'll check you guys later.